we've been looking at the uh, first 11 chapters of Genesis and uh, it's been fabulous to see there that the theme that comes through is relationship and in that horrific scene that we saw up there in this horrific scene here so beautifully painted by uh, Rob and Brian, I, wanna, I really want to thank you guys for doing this for me. It's really good, isn't it? But you see here, this, this is done for this. It wasn't for no purpose. It wasn't just because we have a cruel God who right in the middle of history desired to shock the world. But the theme that came through in those early chapters of Genesis was the incredible love of God. His desire to live in relationship with us and his desire for us to live in relationship with each other. But what was the conclusion so often that God had to admit that the heart of man is wicked some of the time. The heart of man is wicked occasionally. The heart of man is wicked well, every now and then. What is it, Gwen? All the time. All the time. And even after the judgement of, of, of the ark, and the flood across the world. It wasn't long before man sinned again, even with that so clearly in his mind. The heart of man is out of relationship with God. And we came to the end of chapter uh, Genesis 11 last week when Lee spoke to us. But then right at the end of Genesis chapter 11, we see that there's another Lineage brought to us and that is from Shem. Remember Shem, for those who haven't been here, was the, if it was the replacement for Abel. I think that's the way that, that certainly that um, uh, Eve saw it and, and so named him. But that godly lion, that lion that kept the faith right from Shem, Adam and Eve's son, right through to a man called Abram. Not Abraham at this stage, Abram. And it brings us this lineage and then verse 27, it, uh, it looks at uh, Abraham and, uh, and his father and the family. We then go to Genesis 12 and here God speaks very clearly to Abram and he says this, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you I will, or, so, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And God said to Abram, I want you to leave this place. I want you to leave where you're living. I want you to leave all those, the family all the things you've been doing and I want, to go, want you to go to a place that I will show you. Now, a few years ago, Melinda and I packed up all our goods and chattels 
and um, we didn't have a lot. Most of the stuff belonged to the kids and there were four of them so we had a lot. And uh, you know how it is, hey. And, and we jumped in our car and we went to Darwin. Now, we knew basically where we were going. We didn't know anything about it. We had never been to Darwin. We'd seen some photos and things on telly. And we, uh, but that's it. We didn't know much about it. But it really wasn't that difficult for us. It really wasn't that difficult for us because it wasn't so much faith that God would look after us. We had so much information. And probably if God called us to live just about anywhere now, we would have lots of information to go with before we left. But God didn't give any of that to Abram. He just said, go and as you're going, I'll show you where to go. And he also said, leave your family. But there was Abram's first mistake. He actually took a nephew with him. And, nephew, and that nephew lot caused him a lot of problems along the way. But he went. He went. His faith was in God. So Abram went. He didn't question God. He didn't do any of that. He went. And as the Lord told him, and he went into the land of Canaan. We go across to... Genesis 15 and here God makes a covenant with Abram. So here was Abram going out doing exactly what God wanted him to do. He was obedient during this time. After this the Lord, after the things that I've said before, the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid Abram, I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? Now just remember, God had said to Abram, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Well, what's got to start? Well, what do we start with if God's going to make us into a great nation? What are we going to start with? A children, children. So here he was at this stage, still childless. Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? The one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. The word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. So here God had taken him into a a land that he didn't know. He didn't tell him where to go. He said, you just follow me. And he says, I'm going to take you into a great nation. And here in his late 80s, God is saying, I'm still going to do it. How would you be starting to feel at that stage, Neville? Not good. No, <laughs> not good. Would you be starting to give God a little advice? Yeah, you <laughs> I'd be worried about the energy when this child arrived. Because <laughs> even as young as I am, you know, as, as young as I am, 
the, uh, the energy uh, is starting to wane. And then God did, uh, sorry, Abram did take matters into his own hands and he had a child, another mistake. He didn't wait. They thought they were helping God. Oh, how often we think we can help God. Do you know he doesn't actually need our help? (laughs) (laughs) You need to remind me of that occasionally. But he took Hagar and he did have a son. His name was Ishmael. And through Ishmael we now have the Arab families. And I think there are times when Israel would like to give Abraham a bit of advice these days. If you'd only listened to God back then, Abram, we may not have the issues we're having today. But he did. But God didn't condemn him for it. In fact, he continued to grow in his relationships with, 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 relationship with God. And in Genesis 16, he reiterates his, uh, his covenant with Abraham. He took things into his, sorry, he, he, he took things, Abraham took things into his own hands, but God reiterated to him. And Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael. The covenant of circumcision was given at that point and it continues down even to today in the uh, Israelite nation. And then we find that uh, in verse 8, sorry, in chapter 21, finally the son of promise, Isaac, when, uh, when Sarah, now not Sarai, but Sarah and Abram, now called Abraham, Isaac was born. She was 90 years old. Gwen, what do you reckon God said to you now? Gwen, going to bless you. <laughs> going to bless you. Going to give you a baby. How would you feel? Oh, good grief. She says, <laughs> she's shaking her head. <laughs> God, give your blessing to someone else. No, no, God's plan. You know, God has to take us completely out of the scene to be able to show that he is the one. And as we go continually through history after this in the Old Testament, we saw that God conquered nations through the most ridiculous of ways, didn't he? You know, when an army goes out to conquer, a, uh, uh, to conquer a city, it doesn't usually go out with pots and the screaming of trumpets. It goes out with spears, with catapults, or with these days with all sorts of incredible weapons, even um, pilotless drones. But these... God needs at times to show us that he's the one that's in control and he does things completely outside of nature's circuit. And here he took an old man who was 100 and an old woman who was 90 and he said, my plan will be fulfilled in you. And Isaac was born. And they rejoiced. Can you imagine how they felt? 
Even after taking Hagar and Ishmael, God had fulfilled his promise to them. And they celebrated amazingly. They threw a party and I could imagine that it would have been an incredible party. Then we go on to Genesis chapter 22 and it's a really strange chapter in so many ways but it's the one we want to focus on today. Genesis chapter 22. Who knows what that is? Isaac's sacrifice. Hang on, hang on. This was the promised one. This was the one through whom, through whom God said that he was going to create an enormous nation, huge nation. And God says to Abraham, take your son, your one and only son, and go to that mountain, Moriah, and sacrifice him as a burnt offering to me. Folks, what would go through your mind at that point? Sorry? No way. No way. Well, (laughs) I mean, that, that would possibly, yeah, maybe that would be the second thing. I think total confusion would be my reign at that, you know, at that stage. Did I hear God right? God, can, can you, would you ask for a repeat of that? Take this son, this one and only son, this son of promise, this son that I am going to create, through whom I'm going to create a huge nation, take this son and sacrifice him to me. For those of you who are fathers, How would you feel at that point? Here's your obedience to God wanting to stretch out and just do what he says but here's this son the one you do stuff with the one on whom your future (laughs) rests So, men, those who have had children, how would you feel? Mums, you've received this child. You never ever thought that you would receive this child. In fact, when God said you would, you what? Laughed and said, how is that possible? Not in this body, God. Isn't that what you said? According to scriptures it was. So when Abraham said, hey, Dale, be away for a few days, just going to go and sacrifice Isaac, what would be your response? (laughs) Over my dead body. (laughs) Well, Isn't that the human response? Would you stand at the front of the tent and stop that from happening? 
everything within us would be crying. We would atik. And the story then goes that Abram got two of his servants and they put wood on the donkey and they headed off. Abraham, his son, the donkey and the wood. And they travelled three days. We see in storybooks and so forth that uh, uh, Isaac was probably around 12 um, and from my research uh, that probably isn't, probably isn't true. Um, in fact, uh, most of the commentators uh, would place him at between 20 and 35 which is quite significant, which is quite significant and uh, because of, of what happens. And here they walked through the desert. Do you think there was silence? When you walk with your children, you're more often trying to get them to shut up. <laughs> <clears throat> I, uh, people, I've heard people in chatting with me about this chapter sort of say, it doesn't record any conversation. Well, there's lots of things that aren't recorded in the scripture as we go through them and I don't think that was the context at all. This was the context about the sacrifice. I think there would have been a lot of um, conversation that was happening as they were walking along. A lot. But for three days, what would be the conversation between Abraham and God what would be the thoughts that ran through Abraham's mind as he battled with this thought? Oh, this son that's been given to us, well, how is God going to create this nation from him? God believes, sorry, God reveals later on in Hebrews the thoughts of Abraham. When Hebrews tells us, that Abraham believed God so much that he believed if this is what was necessary, that God is the creator of Abraham, God is the creator of Isaac, God is the giver of Isaac as a promise to Abraham. If God required Isaac as the sacrifice, what would he then do? Raise him up again. That was the confidence in Abraham's heart. Hebrews tells us. And so I wonder if along that journey, and I'm only surmising, did it become an adventure? Still heavy on the heart of Abraham, but it, did it become an adventure to him? An excitement to a degree of how was God going to fulfil his promise? This is God we're talking about. Abraham knew God. Abraham walked with God. Abraham loved God. Abraham had a relationship with God that God desired of every man. He wasn't sinless. He wasn't faultless. He made mistakes along the way. But God in this relationship with us walked with him. And he answered when Abraham asked, even at Sodom, 
when God was going to judge Sodom, Abraham said, but if there's a hundred people in there that may not know, that, 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 are, that are righteous, would you still destroy it? Because of you, Abraham, no, I wouldn't. But if there was 50, would you still destroy it? No, if there's 50, we won't then. It got right down to 10. If there's 10 righteous people in Sodom, would you destroy it? No, we wouldn't. For you, Abraham, no, we wouldn't. And there wasn't 10 to be found. So this was the relationship that this man had with God. And as you walk with God day by day, do you walk with God day by day? Possibly I should ask first. But as you do, is this the faith that you have that he will fulfil his promises in your life? Do you have the faith that you would step out in relationship with God in such a way that you would go completely out of your comfort zone? Would you allow him to take you where you don't want to go? And they got there and they saw the mountain. He saw the mountain. He said to his servants, wait here and the boy and I will go on. And Isaac took the wood, which is a fair bit of wood for a burnt sacrifice and he carried it up a mountain all day. And they got there and they set there the sacrifice. And God, sorry, Abraham obviously hadn't said too much to Abraham, at that, sorry, Abraham obviously hadn't said too much to Isaac about the sacrifice at this stage. But I reckon they might have sat down and had a conversation in there. Whilst it only says a few words, I don't think Abraham would have brushed it off. I think it would have been more of a conversation. He said that God will provide for himself a lamb. God will provide for himself a lamb. But if we expand on that and I'm I'm taking absolute licence here in doing that and I ask you to understand that but I wonder if there was a conversation at that time and, and Abraham said to Isaac, Isaac, you know that we as a family serve a wonderful God. You know this God called us out from Ur of the Chaldeans and he said to me, go to a place that I will show you. And you know, Isaac, I believed God that he had a plan and a purpose for me to do that. He wouldn't just do it, but he had a plan and a purpose. And in faith I followed him. And you know, Isaac, he has never ever, for one moment, let alone a day, he's never let us down. He lives in our camp. He has helped us to prosper. He has allowed us to be a beacon for him wherever we have been. And he has a plan and a purpose for all our lives. 
but he has a plan and a purpose for your life, Isaac. Through you, the son of promise, he is going to create a great nation. Because if we are right, here was Abraham, an old man, who was able to take a young man, let's say, let's even go younger at a 15-year-old, but from the evidence it does seem to be at least 20. Could he catch the boy if he wasn't willing? Would you stand there and just allow yourself to be tied because it said he bound Isaac and he laid him on the altar. A Isaac, I want to say, was a willing participant. He had to be. And that's why I believe there was a conversation. And Abram reminded Isaac of the promises that God had made to them as a family. And then at the point of sacrifice God sent his angel and said no. Abram, I wanted to take you completely out of your comfort zone. I wanted to make sure you knew now that you had Isaac that I was the one that still was in control. And I wanted you to know, I wanted you to know that I still have this plan. that's going to create a nation that will worship me and will be a beacon of light to the rest of the world. But I also know right now that you love me even more than your son. Fathers, mothers, do you love God even more than you love your children? Because I can tell you the best thing that you can do for your children is to love God and to bring them up knowing how much you love him. And there behind them, caught in the thorns of a thicket by its horns, was a ram and it would have been a good ram too. It would have been the best ram that Abraham and Isaac had ever seen. <laughs> it would have been absolutely perfect. There would not have been a defect anywhere on that ram because that's God's requirement. And when God provides a ram, he provides a ram that is an example to all other sacrifices, for all other sacrifices. And Abraham and Isaac at that point took that ram and they sacrificed it and worshipped God. Do you ever think, as we have to this morning, thought about the heart of Abraham through all of that? Have you ever thought about the heart of God as he gave Jesus? You know all those feelings that we have within us of love towards our children? Where do those feelings come from? Where do those feelings come from? Are they just 
something that's unique to us? We're created in the image of God. And that heartfelt desire for our children that we have, God has also. And he cries for relationship with us. He desires relationship with us. And here was the son that he was in fellowship from before creation. And in unity between the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, all things came into existence. They worked together in unity to create you and me. They knew no other way. So what was the heart of God as as he sent Jesus to the cross as a sacrifice for you and me? Was it a heart that said, well, now's the point in time where this needs to be fulfilled? Was it a cold and callous heart of a distant God that just needed to do this? No, there's nothing cold nor calloused in the heart of God. But a warm, soft, loving, crying, desperate for relationship heart sent Jesus to the cross. And as Jesus knelt in the garden sweating blood because of what he knew was coming, the willing participant, as he said to the Father, is there any other way? I'm sure the Father answered and said, there is no other way. And as Jesus was taken and placed on that cross, beaten, bruised, he hung there for you and for me. But then as the skies were darkened, for three hours, God's wrath was poured out upon him. Wouldn't you think that could happen just like that? Why did it take three hours? Folks, we're talking about the sins of all history, past, present and future. And God needed to deal with them in such a way that it was dealt with once and for all time. So our sin today hangs on that cross dealt with by God upon his son. I want to read just a few comparisons between Jesus and Isaac. Isaac and Jesus were the only beloved sons of a righteous father. Ishmael had been sent away at that point and he wasn't the promised one. 
Both Isaac and Jesus are identified as the son of Abraham and we see that Genesis 22, Matthew 1.1. Jesus came through through Mary in that exact same line. Both were offered in sacrifice. The sacrifice was offered in the land of Moriah which is where Jerusalem is. Both were. Both sons carried the wood for their own sacrifice. The wood for the burnt offering that Isaac and the wood of the cross so prominent here. Both were bound and placed on top of the wood. Both willingly allowed themselves to be offered in sacrifice. And you know the ram that was caught in those thorns, the thorns were placed on Jesus' head. And both sons were resurrected or given back to their fathers on the third day. Isn't that incredible? Isaac who had been placed there and the sacrifice had already been given in Abraham's heart. Do you know that? That sacrifice was made. Why do I say that? He didn't die. No, but this. The scriptures tell us that God doesn't rejoice in the sacrifice in it of itself but in the heart of the sacrifice earth. Anyone can come and make a sacrifice. doesn't matter where their heart is. But what does God see? Does he see the sacrifice? No, he sees the heart of the one giving the sacrifice. And on that day, Isaac was sacrificed and he was given back to his father. And on this day, this glorious day, Jesus, took upon himself my sin, your sin and that was dealt with once and for all time. Amen? Amen. Amen. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. And then on Sunday, not so much a time of remembrance but a time of what? Joy? Absolutely. Rejoicing and celebration as we celebrate Christ rising again and bringing new life that you and I can rejoice in today. Let me pray for us now. Father, I thank you for the time of remembrance that we have been able to have. This remembrance that we have to have, that Jesus commanded us to have, of this high point and yet lowest of low points of history. Lowest of low that God had to pour out his wrath on his very own sinless, perfect son. And the high point that because of that we do not have to suffer the punishment for that sin today. (laughs) Father, that we can be rejoicing in that today, I pray. That our minds during this day, you will not let us forget 
that through this you desire relationship with us. <laughs> you desire relationship like Abraham had, a walk of obedience. <coughs> and I pray today, Father, that you would help us to do that, to get out of our comfort zone, to go where you want us to go and to live in relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.